You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of them did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good, Shane. How are you still holding up after you went, uh, what are you, oh, 1 and 11 on your oh, best bets of the week, huh? I'm broke as a joke, Mike, but I've got bottles of bourbon heading my way. <laughs> I tell you what, we're one game closer to. Uh, to making a bowl, I you know there I'm not winning in every department in my life, but there's some pretty good check marks coming this way. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into all that, Shane. But let's just jump right into the action. We got a lot to cover, and of course, we gotta start with the big game out of the SEC West. LSU goes into Tuscaloosa, wins 46 to 41. Who in the world, Shane, would have mm. ever thought we'd seen an LSU Alabama game? With 87 combined points that didn't go into about 32 overtimes, I mean this is uh, what a game. This was wild. It lived up to the hype. It felt like a college football playoff game. I don't know if you got that feeling, but not saying again. We were saying all week Alabama's eliminated if they lost this game. I'm still kind of leaning that they are, but uh, you know we'll get it all into that in the weeks to come. But just main takeaways from this game for me, Shane Clyde Edwards-Helaire. The Clydesdale, he came up big. He was uh, almost the hero of this game. Of course, Joe Burrow doing his thing, 31 of 39 for 393 and three touchdowns. LSU obviously jumped out to a big lead, scored 33 points in the first half, Shane. That's, uh, I believe that's never been done against mm-hmm. a Nick Saban Alabama defense. That was incredible. But then out comes Alabama storming back. I know Tua was banged up. You know, there was opportunities for him to take off and run in this game. He clearly, yeah. that was not in the game plan. I think he could have walked in the end zone for one of these touchdowns, and he just was not willing to run. I don't think he could. Uh-uh. That's kind of something I had been hitting at, you know, in the weeks leading up to that game. That proved to be true. But aside from just his limitations, I got even more respect for Tua Tungavaloa after this performance. I mean, this guy was a damn warrior. I don't know if you saw the clips of him after the game, Shane, but he could barely walk. And he went out there through 418 yards, four touchdowns, did have the bad pick there right before halftime. But, man, this was, uh, this was a battle of titans that lived up to it. And, I don't know, I was just blown away by just the game and the aftermath and everything with it. 
You know, it's not too often that you watch a game and then at the end of it say, you know what, if these two guys played again, this team would definitely win. You know, I I, I think if these two teams play again and a two is healthy, shit, I, I don't know who's going to win. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it was that good. It was that entertaining. And honestly, man, I... We talked about Alabama losing a shot at getting into the uh, the playoffs if they lost this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I mean, this thing is a money thing too. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and this lived up. This 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 was a fantastic ball game, and it almost seemed like it came down to who had the ball last. And uh, Alabama made some boneheaded mistakes, but LSU did too there in the third quarter. There were some opportunities that they had to strike and they weren't able to do it. It was just a fantastic ball game. But I'm with you. I came away from this, the running game. I, I, I thought that was a surprise. Everybody was talking about the quarterbacks. I thought the running backs on both sides of the ball did fantastic. And I thought Tua, man, is is an absolute beast. I mean, he is well for like his he was banged up, man. Mm-hmm. And there was times down there near the goal line, you know, that I think if he was a hundred percent Tua, he would have ran it in or he could have got a first down. You know, there was a lot of times that he had opportunities to pull the ball down and he just wasn't able to do it because of his health concerns. So if these guys do meet in the playoff scenario, uh, I think we, you know, it's going to be even a better. I think it'll be even better of a game. So uh, this was just a freaking awesome one. I'd love to see it again. Yeah. So I mentioned it there right before half. Tua threw an interception. Shane, thoughts on uh, Nick Saban with a limited quarterback putting his foot on the gas? I mean, he obviously trusts Tua, but what happened was uh, LSU was playing a zone defense. Tua threw. Uh, ill-advised interception LSU turned it into a touchdown right before half that you know a lesser team that would have killed them because it's going into halftime the score is 33 to 13 in LSU's favor uh, thoughts on Nick Saban's you know, aggressiveness there at the end of the first half you know that one right there Mike uh, you know LSU just went up 26 13 and it just you know LSU was getting the ball coming out of the out of halftime so mm-hmm. I I, I I didn't see anything wrong with this, pushing the ball, trying to get it down the field. I mean, the, either defense really had trouble stopping the other one's offense. So um, I think there was plenty of time on the clock. I, again, I don't think that this was a bad uh, a bad situation, but it did – I mean, it. I mean, it did change the narrative when it was thirty-three, thirteen. You know. Mm-hmm. And then LSU shut out in the third quarter. Shane Alabama comes storming back in the second half. Also wanted to get your thoughts when Najee Harris punched it in for his uh, what was it? His second touchdown of the second half. There, the score was thirty-three, twenty-seven. Alabama only down by six. I believe that uh, was at the very beginning of the fourth quarter, you know, they got the damn Dixieland light blaring. <laughs> they got the lights blinking. It looked like Alabama had all the momentum in the world. Did you have confidence that LSU would hold on after being shut out in the third quarter, come back and score 13 points in the fourth quarter? Be honest with me. No, I didn't. I, I really didn't. I, I thought this thing was over. And, uh, I kept watching the probability and it was hovering. <laughs> you know, like sometimes I get caught watching that and I was like, nah, yeah, you're right. This there's no chance. But dude, when he and then I even sent that stupid tweet out talking about 
Alabama crumbling at about that time. There goes uh, Devontae down the sideline for a touchdown. I'm like, oh my god, I done put my foot in my mouth. So uh, this, these two teams, man, um, I loved it. I loved the game. I loved that. Uh, the outcome, the outcome was not expected. Obviously, I thought Bama to win this thing, and then there was times during this game. I thought about Alabama's youth on defense. I felt like it was exposed. But then, you know, there were some things, too, that showed up on LSU, you know. I don't know about you, but I think that offensive line at times was was kind of garbage, don't you? I mean, Alabama at times had their way up front. Mm-hmm. Well, in pass protection, I'd certainly agree with you. I think that's the weakness of Alabama's offensive line. But, hell, their offense has been so good, I wouldn't call it you know, it's not like it's a glaring issue. I think Alabama's outside linebackers, Anthony Jennings, I just think he's so damn good. It was just a mismatch in Alabama's favor, but mm-hmm. it obviously wasn't enough to, you know, win them the game. But, you know, going back to LSU facing that six point, you know, they were only up by six, but they had been up by, what was it, 30. So, yeah. I think that really is the most impressive thing for me coming out of this game, the fact that. You know, there have been teams that have jumped on Alabama. It doesn't happen rarely, but mm-hmm. or it doesn't happen very often, but teams have been known to jump out on Alabama, and then Alabama just comes back, storming back, and it's just, you know, you never see them again. They're, they're, in, your, they're in their rearview mirror. So I think it's just uh, the fact that LSU was able to not only hold on but push it in the fourth quarter, stayed aggressive. That's been the mantra all off season, all season. It would have been very easy for them to kind of get conservative, go into shell. That's what the Ed Orgeron we knew coming into this season would have done. Mm-hmm. But this is a damn new day at LSU, Shane, and I just give the Tigers all the credit in the world. And one other thing I wanted to mention, Shane, your guy here, the Clydesdale, I know we love Joe Burrow. I think he won the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night with his mm-hmm. performance on the road in Tuscaloosa. But I don't know about you, Shane, but I do not think – that LSU wins this game without the Clydesdale. 20 rushes, 103 yards, three rushing touchdowns, nine catches, 77 yards receiving, and another touchdown. I mean, that guy, uh, he was the star of the game for me. Absolutely. And I saw this in the spring game, man. He just just was everywhere. Anywhere that Joe wanted to throw, he was in the vicinity, it felt like. You know, he's just – a safety blanket, a safety net, if you will. And and uh, so when Joe's getting a lot of pressure, he's always got him there. It kind of – I mean, it's just like the Saints, man. I know I keep saying Sproles, but it's it's like the Camara role now, you know. It's just he's there, He's uh, and he's – He's got a, a clock in his head. He blocks as long as, you know, and as soon as it gets that, he's out into the, the flats and he'll catch a pass for him and make something out of nothing. So very, very impressive. And without him, no, I don't think I don't think LSU wins this game. But let me ask you, since we're playing ifs, if Tua was 100%, do you think Alabama would have won this game? Yeah, probably. I think they would have given the fact that it was at home and everything. But I don't know, I still would favor, even if to 100% on a neutral field, let's say in a college football playoff game, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'm still favoring LSU because I like their defense a little bit better than Alabama. Still mm-hmm. elite players all over the field. But I think I still give the slight edge to LSU. I thought, uh, you know, for as much praise as Derek Stingley gets, 
I don't want to say he got exposed because he was playing against guys that are going to be in the NFL next year at receiver. Yeah. But I, I thought Derek Stingley really got humbled. He got taken advantage of a couple times in this game. And I think LSU's really got to work with him to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I'm not sure that you take advantage of a player that good once again, but uh, I, I think yeah. that I think it would be a little bit different story there. Yeah, I got you. And I, I tell you, man, Najee Najee's looking better too. Uh, it just seems like Alabama's offense is getting better, um, a more balanced. I guess you would say. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Harris was really running hard and. And I think if Tua were healthy, I think it would be a, a different ball game, especially being at home. But neutral site, again, I think it's a coin toss type of game. And that's why I loved it so much because I didn't know what the heck was going to happen. And it was, you know, I don't I don't have two cents in this game. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm I was I was excited about it all week long. And then uh watching it, it just felt like I was watching one of the greatest games to ever be played, dude. That's just how big this thing was. And uh, I was just glad I was I was glad to watch it and glad uh, the outcome came out unexpected, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Coach O'Shane after the game. You know, he kind of revealed. You know, it's easy to say this in hindsight, but I'm sure he's telling the truth here about telling his team he knew they were going <laughs> to win this game on finally getting that Alabama monkey off his back. That's uh, you know, this is the biggest thing that's not only holding him back, but the entire LSU program for going back to 2011. Uh, and then he kind of doubles down and says, this won't be the last time either. And then on the fact that uh, the Tigers still have a lot to play for. You know what? When I felt, when I got on the plane coming here, I felt like, you know what? We got it. We finally got the tools that we need. We finally got the players that we need. We finally got the coaching staff that we need to beat these guys. I told that to Steve Ensminger sitting on the side of him. I told that to Greg McMahon. And I feel with the combination of going to the spread offense, keeping Dave Aranda, Steve Ensminger, Joe Brady, Greg McMahon, and obviously the recruiting, those great receivers that we had in our defense have gotten better. So, and then, then you know, I think Joe Burrow, you know, just – to have a championship team, you need to have a championship quarterback. So I felt like we had it. And obviously I knew we had to do it, but we did it. Yeah, this, yeah. We, we, I told them on Monday, you're the better football team. I never told this team that going into Alabama. I said, we are going to win the football game. We got to take care of our business. And we have to take care of practice today. We're going to block out the noise. We're going to take care of practice. But we get on that plane, and we're going to beat Alabama. And I told them, I do believe you're the best football team. That's the first time I've told them that. Yeah, yeah, it's never going to be about me. I'm so happy for that team right there and that coach's staff in the state of Louisiana. Hell, I might be able to go to the 7-Eleven now and, and get me a, a, a monster, a Red Bull, and, and they will have to tell me, hey, Coach O, you got to beat those guys, you know. I'm going to tell them I beat them. I beat them. You watch the, watch the game. This won't be the first. It won't be the last. We're coming. We're coming. This won't be the last time. We're there, we, and, we, and we're going to continue to rise. We're going to continue to make progress in, in this uh, in this program to bring a championship back to Louisiana. We'll continue to recruit, continue to get great players, and this is not the first time we're going to beat them. I promise you that. I don't know that. You know, I told the team there will be bigger games. 
when we beat Alabama, there'll be bigger games down the road. And uh, obviously, we're just going to we're gonna look at the tape, and we're going to see where, you know, we didn't play so well in some spots. And uh, we're going to get better, and then we're going to focus on beating Ole Miss. And then we're going to take it one game at a time and get better. This team has gotten better every game, and I want them to get better next week. Just take the next step. All right, Shane. So I just thought those were some bold comments, particularly the, uh, you know, we're going to beat Alabama. won't be the last time we do it. So I like this kind of talk from Coach O, but I thought he had a really good point there at the end. I know LSU Nation is just on cloud nine at this point, but and not saying they're going to lose next week to Ole Miss or, you know, down the road to Texas A&M. But if that happens, it diminishes this game if they don't take care of business as uh, the season closes. For sure. I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. They've got to, I mean, this was a, a huge event, but you've got to, you can't overlook any of the remaining teams because as soon as you do, you're going to drop one. And like you said, this game becomes a lot less important. So I think he's saying the right, I think he, I think he's doing the right thing. He's trying to get the recruits. He's trying to get these boys pumped up to let them know that they are the best team. I think that's what you should be doing. I think that's what uh, Nick Saban's been doing. You know, he's been pumping them up, but you know, I think you don't want to get any of that humble pie here the next couple of weeks. You know what I'm saying? Right. You you want to do your job, go to the SEC championship, finish your business there. You've got bigger pictures, but you still got to take it one game at a time. Well, so Coach O'Shane gave us kind of the uh, PC version of that. <laughs> yeah. The locker room video <laughs> was a little bit different. <laughs> Yes, sir. We're going to beat their ass in recruiting. We're going to beat their ass every time they see us. Okay. You understand that? Yes, sir. Roll that what? Fuck you. All right, Chad, I just thought this was great. <laughs> I, I've seen Alabama people pissed off about this. Some LSU fans also upset that this leaked. But, you know, he's just firing up his team. And if he does meet Alabama, if LSU and Alabama meet down the line, <laughs> I can only imagine how many times Nick Saban's going to be playing this one in the locker room. Uh, a lot of sound clips came from this game, after the game especially, you know. So this is one you didn't want to get out. All coaches, that's just like, you know, that one intro we got where Kirby's yelling, right. you know, the one the one where Muschamp's yelling. I mean, these guys, they didn't want that to get out. That, But that's what's going around the locker rooms of every team in the SEC right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I doubt – Saban is is dropping the f bombs. He may be. I don't know. You know, but I'm sure there's a few guys in there. You know, I mean, you seen that Scott, what's his name, get on them commercials. Cochran, Scott yeah, Cochran. <laughs> has the most annoying commercials in the world. You know what I'm saying? I guarantee he's yelling and get these boys fired up before games. There's it, it happens. It even happens in high school. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I just you know you kind of I'm kind of glad it got out because you know. We like to know how the sausage is made, but then again, you know, it's you kind of wish it didn't because that is a sanctuary, man. That's what happens in a locker room stays in the locker room. I just had a visualization though in my head, Shane. Nick Saban, we know this guy wakes up early. You know, he sits down, drinks his coffee, and eats his little debbies. Is <laughs> watching the Weather Channel. I just imagine Miss Terry be like, "Did you see this?" And he's sitting there <laughs> spitting out his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's kick it over to old St. Nick here, Shane. Nick Saban, after the game, 
a little bit, uh, I don't want to say humbled. I thought he handled this pretty well, but, you know, he was facing some tough questions, including the one I asked you, Shane, on going for it at the end of the first half there. He put that on himself, on Tua's performance, on, uh, on, on a gimpy ankle. And then on LSU and Joe Burrow, I thought uh, Nick Saban was very complimentary of LSU's offense. Could you talk about the decision with 26 seconds left and before half going going for it instead of just taking a knee? Well, you know, um, since the result that we got was what we got, um, I wish we'd have ran the ball. I wish we'd have took, taken a knee. Um, you know, we had two timeouts. Um, we were trying to throw a chunk play, and maybe if you hit a big play, uh, and we have a lot of capability to do that, and we trusted the quarterback to make a good decision. You know, they played zone, guy broke on the ball and intercepted the ball. So, you know, based on what happened, I definitely, if I had to do over and I knew that was going to happen, we would have kneeled on the ball. Um, but being aggressive uh, in the game at the time, um, I, I thought that we would throw the ball down the field and give ourselves a chance to make a big play. And even if it was a bad play, it would be no worse than a punt. So that was obviously a mistake on our part, and I take all the blame for that. Nick, what, what was your expectation for Tua from a health standpoint coming in, and then how do you think he played? Was he up to 100% capability? Well, I think he was 100%. I think obviously missing some time, missing some practice. Um, you know, I, I think that you know he played well. He made good plays in the game. Um, I thought his mobility was probably not 100%, uh, but I thought he had short area quickness in the pocket. Maybe he couldn't run. You know, 100%, maybe it was 90%, I don't really know. Uh, but, you know, this was a medical decision and his decision. The docs cleared him to play. They cleared him to practice all week. Uh, he practiced all week. He didn't have any issues. And, um, you know, he said he could play in a game and he wanted to play in a game and he thought he could go out there and do his job. And uh, I think he was a warrior uh, in terms of what he did. Um, and I think probably missing the practice that he missed over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he may not have been quite as sharp as normal, but I thought he did a good job in the game, and um, I'm proud of the way he competed in the game. Nick, obviously you knew uh, watching on tape coming in how much Joe Burrow in particular, but that LSU offense had improved from last year. Now that you've played them, can you describe in particular with the quarterback how you think he's been able to make such a jump from last year to this year? Well, I think it's the system. You know, I think it's the things that they're doing. Uh, I think it really features the players. Uh, I think he has a, I think, talking about the quarterback now, Joe has a really good handle on what they're trying to do. Um, and it's challenging to defend. Um, and it utilizes the people that they have. And look, they have no weaknesses on offense. You know, they got a really good runner. They got a really good quarterback. They got really good receivers. Uh, they got a good offensive line. Uh, and, you know, they got a system and a scheme that's very sound and solid in terms, and they do a really good job of executing it. And, it, and I can't give them enough credit for, you know, what they do. It's nothing like what they tried to do a year ago. All right, so um, it's completely different. And I think it features their players, and I think their players buy into it, have confidence in it, and do a great job executing it. So I felt that, like that going into the game, uh, and I certainly feel just, just as strongly about that now after having played them. All right, Shane. So like I said, Nick Saban, I think he handled that well. I've seen some people kind of come out and question the fact that Tua was playing on that game. 
uh, considering how bad he was limping after it. But, you know, I find it really, really hard to believe that. Uh, I know Nick Saban's the most powerful man probably in the state of Alabama, but he, he's not going to get a guy like two. He's not going to force him on the field if he doesn't want to play. I mean, I read that the whole time as Tua knew he was limited, but he wanted to be out there for his team, his his fans, his coaches, everybody. I mean, he was a warrior out there, so I don't really want to hear that uh, Nick Saban threw a guy out there that shouldn't have been out there. Uh, what are your thoughts on all that? No, I agree. I, I think this came down to medical staff, uh, Tua himself, and probably family, you know, his his right. dad's got a big role in, in his decision. So I, I'm sure that it came down to uh, to the family there, and, and he wanted to play. I mean, if Tua didn't feel like he could play, he wouldn't have been out there. But, I mean, he knew how big this game was for him. He knew how big this game was for the team and the, and the whole state of Alabama. So there, I, I don't think there was any way you were going to keep him from the field. And uh, – like I said, I have a I have a new respect for the kid because you could tell he was really hurt, and uh, even during the game, not just after when he's limping, but during the game, you could see that hesitation where his body or his mind wants to run, but his body just kind of like, no, you can't. You know what I'm saying? It just mm-hmm. felt like he was fighting with himself. Well, let me try that again. All right, Shane, let's jump to the SEC East where we had a really thrilling night game with a lot on the line for you included (laughs) as Tennessee holds on Shane for a 17 to 13 win over Kentucky. I know we, uh, you know, praise Lynn Bowden the whole time here leading up to this game and for what he's been doing week in and week out here forced to play quarterback for the Wildcats, but uh, you know, newfound respect for him. He just continues to get it out. And I think Tennessee's defense is playing the best it's ever played under Jeremy Pruitt and Kentucky still basically had their way with them in the first half. It was just so hard for Tennessee's defense to limit Bowden at times thoughts on this game shade. And uh, I mean, the guy, I got to give you some crap here. You've been burying Garantano Shane. He (laughs) saved Tennessee. I mean, if not for Garantano in this game, Tennessee does not win this game. It's not all Garantano. I mean, uh, Marquez Callaway showed up big. Josh Palmer, he had a hell of a game. Uh, Daniel Petuli had 19 tackles, including the game winner on the goal line. This kid, I mean, this this game came down to the literally the last play, basically. But uh, I think uh, the the guy that is owed the most respect is Garantano, in concern of the fact he's only got one good arm. Yeah. And Lynn, I think Lynn deserves a game ball too because I mean he he was that entire team, dude. I mean it was unbelievable. I, I first off, let me let me start with with Garantano, okay? Because I have said a lot of bad things, Mike. All right, and I was biting my tongue when he came in, and there was rumblings that he was going to come in after half. I was like, oh hell, we're just giving this game away. But I'm telling you, dude, he looked fantastic. And I can't believe, I mean, even the mobility, he seemed faster. You know what I'm saying? I sent out a tweet. Do you remember that movie, uh, uh, Rookie of the Year, I think is what it's called, where the kid breaks his arm and they put a cast on him. And then, like, when he gets the cast off, all of a sudden he can throw, like, 150-mile-an-hour fastballs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, man, what did they put in Garantano's hand, you know? <laughs> 
So uh, I was excited about that, man, because he was on. He was playing good. And, you know, this – and I'm going to get to Kentucky here in a second. But something uh, my brother, your other cousin, uh, said the other day really stood with me. I mean, stood out to me. And I've been thinking about it, and and I think he's right, man. You know, Garantano has had some problems this season. And we've questioned how Pruitt – has been moving these quarterbacks around. I think that I think that Pruitt loves Jarrett for a couple reasons. One, mobility, but I think the biggest one is game management, being able to put the offense in a better position, mm-hmm. something that Brian's been struggling to do. However, I don't think that they're running JG out just at first because he's got some pregame jitters, man. Like, he really needs someone else to take the first few series to get his nerves down a little bit so he can see what the defense is doing. So when he goes in there, he becomes a better quarterback. And it's something that John talked about the the other day, and and I've seen it now in two or three games, and he's won us games coming off the bench. They they joke about him being the sixth player, and that's what he's been doing. So I don't know, just something that he said – we talk, we've discussed offline, and, and I, I just saw it uh, come in fruition last, or this week with Kentucky. Now, as far as Kentucky, man, I'm telling you, they had a game script. I mean, it was torture. To go from Alabama and LSU in 100 <laughs> points of offense and then to flip the channel over and see the 1930s wishbone going, you know, it was it it made my eyes bleed, but it was working, man. It was working 3, 4, 7 yards at a time. And I hate to say it, but Kentucky lost this game, Mike. They made some stupid, stupid calls, and and I'm not trying to blame Coach, uh, Coach Stoops because I think he's fantastic, but, you know, there was some times when it was fourth down and one that mm-hmm. they decided to punt. I have no freaking re- – we can't stop them. They were getting at least three, four yards every carry. I don't understand why they just didn't always go for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Second um, – I don't understand why Lynn would ever attempt to throw the ball. Didn't need to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he did throw it a pretty bad interception that it was returned for a touchdown, but then ruled that they stepped out, so they got called back. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a rough four of seven for 25 yards in that pick. But how about this stat, Shane? I, I can't think of a time where I've ever seen something like this without a ton of turnovers. But Kentucky, 64 rushes. For 302 yards, time of possession, they let it 41 to 18, and they lost the game. Like I said, I can understand if they fumbled and lost, you know, three or four balls, but each team turned it over just once, so turnover margin was equal. But yeah, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to come up with ways to lose a game like that. But Kentucky managed to do it, and you know they had a chance to win it there at the end. You know, I don't I don't know, Shane, if uh, the coach. The Kentucky coaching staff knows, you know, they don't have to snap the ball when the play clock's at one. You know, it seemed like (laughs) that was definitely the game plan to shorten the game. I I guess it makes sense, but in hindsight, you only scored 13 points and all came in the first quarter. And uh, how about, uh, you know, it was not a big play. I mean, anytime you block a kick, it's a big play, I guess. But when uh, Tennessee at the extra point, they blocked the extra point 
And that turned out to be a huge in the in the ending of the game because Kentucky could have just kicked a field goal to tie it late in this game, if not for that blocked extra point. And of course, uh, the, you know the game came down to a fourth and I don't know what was it fourth and three something like that, yeah. all on the goal line. And uh, Tennessee just they made the stop and it it was never even really in question. Limbaugh he he did not really even get close to that goal line, did he? No, and, and I don't understand the Stoops comment talking about, uh, of course, we're about to play it here, but I've also seen it from other people on Twitter that he should have pitched the ball. And, yeah, I think something could have happened, but, I mean, Tennessee had that pretty much covered, it felt like, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to put that on Lynn because that Lynn made a decision. And, and I mean, when you're when you're running that option, you've only got a split second to decide if you're going to keep it or pitch it. And, you know, he's a playmaker, and uh, he thought he had an opportunity. But I guarantee if he would have pitched the ball, it would have been the same outcome. I don't think they would have got in because we just – I don't know. They are just swarmed to that play. Yeah, and I think uh, when he, – he's clearly the best player Kentucky has on offense. I think you got to win or lose with the ball in his hand. Yeah, yeah. That's my takeaway. But, uh, yeah, you hit on it there. Let's jump over to Jeremy Pruitt on Jared Garantano, continuing to come off the bench and keep on delivering for the balls. On finishing the season the right way, remember this time last year, Shane, Tennessee was in an identical situation, 5-5, five and five, two games remaining. Only got to win one to go to a bowl game. Goddamn blown out in both of them. <laughs> Can't let that happen again. And then on the final goal lands goal line stand that won Tennessee the game. What, what is it about Jarrett that allows him to kind of come off the bench and be sure? That that's maybe not something he'd probably ever done growing up, but he seems to come in, kind of come in there and, and just kind of do his job. Well, I don't know why um, he's able to do that. I mean, I, I think he's mature. Um, you know, he knows what we're trying to do. Obviously, he's smart. Um, you know, he 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 done a great job tonight. Uh, he's done a good job coming off the bench all year. That we that we've asked him to do it. Uh, so, I mean, I just think he's a guy that that you know he wanted to play well tonight, and he did, uh, and he prepared during the week to do that. Uh, we want to finish this year the right way for our seniors, first of all. Uh, but we still got a lot to prove, you know. Got a lot to prove. All right. Most importantly, we need to play. We need to play a complete game, which we have not even come close to yet. And we're four. We've won four out of the last five. Need to learn how to play a complete game. Time for one more. Did you one minutes on the field tonight? Just how were they able to come up with that, that last goal line stand? We made some good good tackles right there uh, inside the goal line. A lot of guys run into the ball. Um, you know, it's it's uh, I've been very disappointed if we didn't stop them. I mean, they wasn't going to throw it. We got more up there than they can block. We should stop them, right? You know, uh, and our kids did what they should what they should do. You know, uh, they rose up and found a way to to make plays there and, and, and finish the game. So some of that being on the field for 41 minutes has a lot to do with Tennessee, you know. So uh, not take anything away from Kentucky, but we we definitely um, didn't help ourselves on some plays. 
It looked like you were going to call timeout right before that last play. Why didn't you? Because I was listening to our guys in the box and uh, what the look was and whether we liked it or not. And uh, also looking at the play clock. And uh, so, uh, you know, once we felt like we had a, we had a look, I was going to let it go. I preferred to keep the three timeouts, you know, in desperation there at the end. If we get to stop on third and five, you have a chance to try to block the punt or get a return and, you know, get the ball back in, in desperation mode there at the end. Uh, so, um, you know, preferred to keep the timeout, but it was more based on the look we were getting defensively and whether we had a chance to get that ball to the perimeter. I thought Lynn made a really good play. Uh, I'll never argue with Lynn, you know, with the, you know, taking it right there and he, he stretched it to the perimeter. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we'll probably look at it and feel like he, if he had pitched it, it would have been a foot race to the pylon and probably had a chance. But I'm not going to argue uh, with that kid in the way he, you know, uh, has a chance to pull the ball down and try to drive it in there and get it, get to one yard. Um, credit them for, for a nice stop. All right, Shane. So, like I just oh. said, obviously Tennessee's in the same position they were last year, and it's easy to say this, but. It just feels like completely different this time around. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it felt different, man. This, uh, this, I tell you, when they got down there, I was like, we can't stop them. They're going to score, you know. And I was, I was trying, I was trying to think to myself, well, we got so many X amount of time to get down there and score another touchdown, you know. And uh, but then it got to third down. I was like wait a minute, what if we stop them, you know? And then, it, man, would you talk goal line stand? I didn't imagine that would happen, especially if you watch that opening drive. I mean, that opening drive that Kentucky had for, like, freaking – it felt like they were on the field for 15 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just felt like we never had uh, – uh, uh, I don't know. just didn't feel like we had an opportunity to stop these guys. And, and for us to have that goal line stand – Especially with that defense being on the field the entire game is is just amazing, um, and that just that's that's a testament to those players, the you know, because that was all heart there at the end. Now that being said, uh, you know when we got the ball back and we had to, you know, try to get the first down, it just all of a sudden it's like it uh, a light switch went on that guaranteed. Garantano can't use his left hand. You know what I'm saying? Did, did you notice that? Like, they're like everybody's all of a sudden they're like, yeah, they're they're definitely going to run to the left. He can't he can't hand off to the right because he'll fumble it. You know. So then mm-hmm. you just you start panicking about that. But um, I don't know, man. I, I I think this game. You know, I it came down to the end, but I really do think that Kentucky made mistakes prior to this. This should, I don't think it should. I think. Even right before half, I think Kentucky should have been a little bit more aggressive instead of just taking it to halftime. All right, Shane, we've been holding this one off. Big news here on Sunday. Oh, I thought we were going to South Carolina. I was like, I'm not ready to do another apology, but we're getting there, Gamecocks. (laughs) No, even more embarrassing, Shane. Western Kentucky marches into Fayetteville, wins 45-19. to Ty Story, he used to be, you know, someone that Razorback fans were not happy with. Now they love the guy, Shane, because he got rid of Chad Morris. And, man, <laughs> man, remember we played that clip on Friday's show? Mm-hmm. It damn near made me flip my pick. I don't know why in the hell I didn't at that point, but it was so obvious. 
I mean, listen to this guy going into this game. He didn't even have any clue what he was doing. Don't want to spend a ton of time on this game because it was so, it was so damn ugly. I mean, Arkansas was not even in it against no. a first-year coach, a first-year quarterback, transferred in from Arkansas. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is going to be one where they burn the tape and Arkansas fans forget <laughs> this. But the good news is, I mean, it's just going to get better because they're going to they got talent on the roster, and now mm -hmm. they're hopefully they get a. I mean, you can't get any worse of a coach, but thoughts on Chad Morris going, getting fired here on Friday, Shane? I think it uh, I think it had to happen. Absolutely, man. I tell you what, I don't think Arkansas fans are that upset today. I mean, yes, you lost to Western, Western Kentucky, you know. Here you got Ty Story finally winning a game at Fayetteville, you know. And I think, I think they're okay because that nasty chapter, and their lives are gone. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure the the they ha Chad Morse has his pick of the litter for movers down there. I mean, they're lined around the block. You know, Christmas tree is out at the road. This, you know, he's gone. But I will say that you know, it shouldn't have took this long. I, I, I'm. I just think it, it. I mean, it's hard to fire a guy with less than two seasons in. But I, I'm not. I'm not a big believer in it. But this has There's to be no done. progression, man. And then him blaming the players, you know, blaming the youth, blaming the players, you know. I, I and then you've got people like Dan Skipper. Do you remember him coming out? Uh, you know, uh, he's playing in the NFL, just coming out talking about, you know, you can't blame the players. You gotta, you know, s take some sort of accountability. It's all about the coaching and development. You know, there's been absolutely no development in two years. You know, it's it's going backwards. So what do you think is going to happen the next season? And I've also seen uh, reports coming out that this locker room was divided, that there was Morris guys and the other guys. And if you don't have your locker room bought in, they're going to be working against each other, and it's not going to work on the field, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he – say what you want. The, the, the guy, you know, had potential. He had potential in recruiting especially – because uh, that was his knack, but, you know, he just didn't have it for a head coach, you know. He didn't have this team. He didn't have any development. He's he, – Arkansas's better for it. He's gone. Mm -hmm. Well, Shane, it wouldn't be that SEC podcast without a little Chad Morris, so we're going to give him a send-off here, comments from his final presser in Fayetteville for one last time. Unacceptable. Coach Chad Morse. How do I say goodbye to what we have? I guess just given what's happened the last few weeks, any thoughts about your future with the program and, and the program's future? Well, I'll tell you this. It's, um, you know, it's going to take some time. Um, this is not a, a an overnight fix, and and we've we've seen that now for for two years. Um, uh, we're all frustrated. Uh, we're all incredibly frustrated. Um, we have uh, a, a a big youth movement on that on this team, um, and a lot of young guys that are contributing and going to be tre tremendous football players. But uh, where we are right now with these guys, we've got some, we've got some major deficiencies. 
that we have to we have to fix and we have to um, um, fill. And um, but this is this is not an overnight this is not an overnight fix. Struggles like that. It's very disappointing. Uh, disappointing in the fact that um, you know we let we let a team um, and give them credit. They they came in here and and um, but you know for us to, to come in here and not be able to get off the field and and have an opportunity to to uh, to score some points is very disappointing. And you know, we've got to we've, we've got to just continue to to. Uh, um, we got, we got some deficiencies, and we have to go fill them. You got SEC Network watching. You got fans watching. And I know this is a tough time, but can you address? Are you the guy for this job? And can you? We've seen very little improvement. And it's your. You got the microphone now. Can you tell our fans? Are you the guy? Absolutely. I am. I am the guy. I am. Uh, um, there's. There's no question. Uh, I knew that this was going to take some time. Um, I knew that this was this was going to be a, uh, uh, a process of, of recruiting and developing and, and building and, and especially in this conference. I, I knew the, 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 uh, the, the strains that, that take place weekly in this conference and the depth that it needs to, to, uh, to, to be successful. Um, and, and right now we don't have that. And we've got to go. We've got to go get that. We've got to. We've got to recruit to it, and we've got to continue to develop. And right now, it's unfortunate that we're playing as many young guys as we're playing, but that's the truth. All right, Shay, that's going to be the final <laughs> clip of old Chad we ever played. So, I mean, it's a great day for Arkansas. It's a sad day for comedy. Mm. With Chad Morris out, tight ends coach Barry Looney, the uh, Arkansas grad, former quarterback down there. He's the interim. I don't think, uh, you know, I've never heard anything bad about this guy. I'm not, I'm not going to trash him by any means, but I don't think he's really got a shot at winning, the, you know, this interim becoming a full-time coach is what I'm trying to say, unless, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they pull some stunner off and beat at LSU or something. Maybe you give this guy a look, but uh, – I wanted to give uh, just some brief thoughts, Shane, on some candidates that I think Arkansas really needs to look at. And I think we've <laughs> – I'm not trying to get – I'm speaking a little bit with my heart here, but uh, number guy on my number one guy on my list, Shane, it's got to be Mike Leach. Make that call. You know, his system is not – it's not that similar to Chad Morris, but it's not like uh, – it's not like going from the – triple option to the the spread. You already got the principles in place there. Mike Leach, say what you want. He's a goofball, all this. He can't recruit. I've heard that Mm -hmm. year after year. Hell, I mean, the Jaguars quarterback spent one year with him. Now he's in the NFL. I mean, this uh, this is a guy that knows how to coach football. That's what Arkansas needs, a damn football coach. Not some gimmicky shit, not some recruiting guy. They need a football coach. I think Mike Leach is the best football coach, most successful coach that's realistic for Arkansas. Mike Norvell, the Memphis coach, Shane, that's going to be a popular name. You hear more and more. He's got to be at the top of your list. I think Mike Norvell potentially could do even better than Mike Leach at Arkansas. The only problem there, I don't know if Arkansas can get him at this point because I think Mike Norvell, his undefeated Memphis team, is such a hot commodity. Uh, and Bruce Feldman of the Athletics saying that Florida State is looking at Norvell. So 
may be tough to get him, but uh, year after year, Memphis loses assistance and Memphis remains good. It's not any, it's not, you know, they do have outstanding players, but it just seems like every year they do. That's, that's a credit to the head coach, I think. And then, is, there any, uh, is there any casinos down there in uh, Seminole <laughs> County? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> that may be the only holdup there, Shane. And then um, it, how about these? You're going to hear a lot of the same names, I think, until they really whittle this thing down. But uh, as for some assistance that I really think – now, they may not want to go back to the Clemson tree because obviously that's kind of, that was where Chad Morris made his, you know, made his hay there. Uh-huh. But I think they should really look at uh, the offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, give him a look. And then I think even the better hire, I know they just hired an offensive coach. You know, sometimes they want to do a 180 and hire a defensive guy, particularly in the SEC West. You're going to need some defense. If this, if this coach hires the right offensive coordinator, I think he's going to be a hell of a head coach if and when he ever chooses to be. And that's uh, Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables. I, th- I think that's a call you got to make. And then the last name on my list, Shane, I've not seen this anywhere, but I know this guy is interested in being a head coach again. He almost got the Tennessee job. I know he's a little bit older, but you you want to talk about coming in here and fixing this defense. I think if you're going to hire an assistant, and I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going to happen, but I would look at Auburn defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. He's a hell of a recruiter. He's an outstanding defensive mind. If Arkansas wanted to do a 180 here and hire a defensive assistant, Kevin Steele, get in the right offensive coordinator, I think Arkansas could do really well. Well, let me ask you, because that's the one that's floating around. Everybody wants to know, do they have an opportunity for getting Gus? Let's just say something happens. I mean, Auburn's got two doozies on the schedule. If they drop those games and for some reason, you know, it gets heated up a little bit down there mm-hmm. in Auburn, is there an opportunity that he goes to Arkansas? You know, I don't really see that one, Shane. I know that's the popular rumor, but it just seems like every time there's a damn coaching change at Arkansas, Gus Malzon gets brought up, and I understand all the history there, but I just don't see those sides ever getting together and you know, yeah. jumping from SEC West school to SEC West school. I just think that's a messy situation. I'm not sure Gus is going to want to get involved in something like that. But, hell, I'll tell you what, Shane. If, you know, Auburn says, hey, we're going to fire you unless you find another job. If I'm Arkansas, I would jump at Gus Malzahn. I just – I don't really think he would be interested in making that move. But if he did, Arkansas could do a hell of a lot worse than Gus Malzahn. <laughs> I know Gus – you know, some people call him out. But he's got a hell of a track record in the SEC West. He's beat Nick Saban multiple times. He's – He's beaten LSU. I mean, he's beaten all the big boys. He's yeah been to a national championship. Uh, I don't think you could do a lot worse than old Gus Malzahn. Absolutely. And let me ask you, since we're talking, we're just spitting some names out here. Do you think – well, first off, let me ask you this one, because I don't think it's going to be a coordinator. You know, a lot of times when you have a, a coaching situation like Morris, somebody doesn't have as much experience, you kind of see polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Do you see any of these old ball coaches coming in? Uh, Les, you know, is a name I've seen floating around. Uh, even some of the old uh, Arkansas former coaches. Do you think it's a possibility of one of those guys coming back? No, I really don't. I don't think okay. Arkansas will go down that route. All right. 
I just love talking about coaches, man. I love coaching search. <laughs> well, we'll have plenty of time to get all into all that in the weeks to come. Uh, but we still got some action here, Shane. And uh, I know you didn't want to talk about this one, but mm. them damn scrappy happies got us both, man. Appalachian yeah, State marches into Columbia, somehow beats South Carolina 20-15, to 15. Drops the sh- big, big orange <laughs> balls lock of the week to one and eleven all the year, and man, what a damn! This was just a sloppy ass game by South Carolina. Got dominated on the line of scrimmage by a smaller team. I do not understand how that happened. South Carolina twenty-seven rushes, finished with twenty-one yards. I mean, that's despicable. Absolutely, that should never happen. Appalachian State. Rewatched the game Sunday morning. They came away. They were the better team, Shane. South Carolina making mistakes. And I know it's Sunday evening, Shane, and South Carolina just dropped another pass. I, th- I think they had, you know, seven <laughs> or eight drops in this damn game. Could not get that going. That's something that's plagued this team in, in years past. It's resurfaced. Ryan Helinski, another not-so-good game, 32 of 57. He did have 325 yards, but when you throw it 57 times, that's going to happen. Had a uh, game-winning touchdown there. He just he completely sailed it. I mean, this was a damn nightmarish game. <laughs> Gamecock fans, once again, Shane, they were ready to fire Will Muschamp about a month ago. They, uh, were, they were ready to, to keep him forever after the Georgia game. <laughs> now they're ready to fire him again. <laughs> I know, man. Isn't it crazy? You go, you got, here you got the South Carolina Gamecocks, a team that beat, that went down to Georgia and beat Georgia University. And then we may get the coach fired before the season's up. I mean, can you believe that? That's like crazy to me. I mean, this this is this team's first off, I apologize, Gamecock Nation. I know a lot of people are saying I, I came out and said, I'll, I promise I'll never pick South Carolina again this year. And and some of them are like, No, please, please do because we want most champ fired, you know. So uh I I, I feel bad because, you know, this game First off, was just so ugly. I like you said. I mean, South Carolina was averaging less than one yard per carry, per rushing attempt. You know, and we just here we were just pumping up how great this South Carolina rushing game is. I mean, it's been multiple multiple running backs popping up, and when I thought Rico came back. I said, "Hell, this is this is an easy one." You know, but they how many yards did they have? Twenty seven. You said. 21 on 27 attempts. Golly, man. I mean, that's you can't have that. You can't have that against any team, especially Appalachian State that loves to to, to run the clock and, and and they were able to do so, man. They did they they had their way with South Carolina. Of course, now South Carolina was banged up. There was a lot of entries, you know, Shy didn't get to play. Uh Brian left the game several times. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they they were banged up, but still there is 21 four- and five-star recruits on that South Carolina team, and there are zero four- and five-star recruits on Appalachian State's team. So uh, the talent is on South Carolina's side. The game was not – I mean, and it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a ball game, man. It was just – it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if not for a late touchdown, I mean, this thing would have been even worse for South Carolina – just a really bad showing once again for Will Muschamp. I understand the frustration, Shane. Do you fire him? 
I don't, he, I don't they're think not gonna, they're not they're not going to win, man. They're not going to win against Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. They're not going to beat Clemson. They're not going to make a bowl game. Do you fire Coach Muschamp? This is a a very unpopular opinion. I've come to find out on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I think he give Will Muschamp another year, given the all the issues there with you know the injuries and the quarterback going down and and this is uh this is something I was talking to someone about on Sunday you know we're all we always call for these freshman quarterbacks particularly when they're highly touted like Helensky get him on the field that's that's going to be what turns it around this is why coaches don't want to play these guys because they're so inconsistent and towards the end of the se- I mean he's probably never played a season like this you know where he's playing caliber of these opponents week in week in week in mm-hmm. and we see it where last week i thought he played one of his better games and then here we go he's he i don't want to say he threw up an egg but he, i mean he's throwing a pick six he's missing the yeah. the game winning touchdown i mean this is what comes with playing a freshman quarter and i'm not putting it all on him because i think he's i think he's shown enough to show he's a he's a hell of a player but i think the reality is they needed jake bentley i don't think Helensky was fully ready for this season to come in. And I know this is Appalachian State. I'm not making excuses here, but it's just a rough year. And I tried to point it out this way. We didn't want to see Chad Morris return. Mm-hmm. We're seeing nothing from them. Yeah. You look at Vanderbilt. They're losing a UNLV. I mean, they're looking, they're getting, they just lost by, we'll get to the Florida game in a minute, but they just lost 56-0 to to Florida. I mean, at least with Muschamp's teams, I know he's not going to make a bowl more than likely this year, but he's made a bowl game every year before. You know, he's beaten Georgia. He's challenging Florida. He's beaten Tennessee every year until this year. It's not like he's – I'm not saying he's the greatest coach, but he's not Chad Morris, Derek Mason bad. You know what I mean? He's somewhere in the middle, and I think he's going to be on a very, very hot seat next season if they bring him back. But I know everyone is always eager to make the change. But what happens if you hire the next damn Chad Morse? I mean, look at Tennessee. They made bad hire after bad hire. Look at Alabama before they got Nick Saban. It was bad hire after bad hire. You can destroy your program a lot quicker than you can build it if you make the wrong hire. And in today's day, I mean, if you make one wrong hire, it very quickly spirals down to two to three and, and so on and so forth. So I've just... I don't know. If I'm looking at all those things, I think you got to give Will Muschamp one more year. And if there's still there's no progress, then I I think you got to let him go. But that's so far down the line. Uh, I'm I'm not ready to give up on a on a guy that just beat Georgia. This is the only team that's yeah. beaten Georgia. So he's not. It's not like he does. He's not. He's not clueless. You know what I mean? Yeah. And unless you got a surefire ringer just ready to come in, I, I think you're right i don't think you pull the trigger um because trust me man you know Dooley set us back so far and i mean he didn't even sign that last class he didn't even have an offensive lineman you know what i'm saying you think that didn't hurt hell yeah hurt because finally when we did get linemen they're all true freshmen you know so i don't know it's just i'm with you but they are spending a lot of money up there, man. The expectations are getting higher in South Carolina, and the, the fact that you did beat a team like Georgia, that, that just that that fuels the fire. And how can you? I mean, you beat the University of Georgia, and not going to make a bowl game. I mean, 
man, I'd be upset too. I'd be ready to get rid of my coach. And at this point, you may be saying, what do we have to lose? You know, we're not making bowl games anymore. Might as well take a shot on getting somebody else in here. Mm -hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Muschamp, Shane. After the game, he was pretty somber, as you can imagine. He's facing these tough questions. Uh, let's kick it over here, and then I got one final thought on this one. You mentioned the the running game struggles. Just mm -hmm. The offensive line seemed to be getting no push at all. Yeah, we had no push. They outnumbered us in the box, and we were inefficient throwing the football when we needed to early in the game. How can that get repaired in the next three well, weeks? I mean, we've run the ball well in, other than three ball games, and we've lost all three games in those situations because we can't – we don't have a, a second pitch. I mean, we're just, we just we, – we run it and create some things, but we've got to be more efficient. We've got to be able to run the ball. Knew it going into the game. When you looked at film, did you think you'd be able to run the ball yeah, against these we guys? We, we felt good about being able to run the ball, we, and we didn't. Do you feel like you need to make any offensive coaching changes? Right now, we just need to be more productive. And, and uh, No, not at this time. We, we've, there, we're inconsistent in personnel and what we've got to be able to do. It's, it's a little bit unfair out there right now. you know. So we're, we're struggling in a lot of ways as far as those things are concerned, but we need to be more productive. You kind of mentioned it already, but just how much of the offensive struggles were scheme things that you were doing wrong, or was it just execution or poor or lack of consistency for like? Well, I think you got to look at everything across the board. I mean, we have some inconsistencies as far as personnel, which is obvious outside, um, and then we just didn't do a good enough job up front blocking them in the run game to create some some run game for us. You know, so we need to go back and evaluate what we thought was going to be good going into the game because obviously it wasn't. Uh, you know, and then go back and figure out. You know. Uh, why we why we didn't get as much movement up front as we didn't? I mean, we got stalemated on the line of scrimmage by a very a smaller defensive line. So those are things we've got to evaluate. Are are you limited on what you can do offensively right now because of personnel? I mean, you mentioned you don't have a second pitch. Do you not have a second pitch because you don't have people who can run the second pitch because of injuries, or or do you just this is what you would do even if you had your personnel? No, I mean I think that it's been frustrating when you you know Ortray and and uh, and. Uh, you know, Chavis Dawkins and Shai Smith, the three you know guys that have been starters for us, and they're they're not in the lineup right now. Xavier's a true freshman, is doing a really good job. You know, he's playing a bunch of snaps, and and uh, you know Brian obviously is playing extremely well, and we've got to have some more guys step up. I think we'll get Shai back next week. I think we'll get Ortray and Chavis back next week. You know, that's what I'm hoping for. But I, you know, again, I felt like there's a chance they might have been back this week. You know, we got to get them back. All right, Shane. I know, like I said, I'm sure this is an unpopular opinion in Columbia right now. I would bring Muschamp back, but I would I would say he's got to make a change at offensive coordinator. I think that's kind of a given. He's got to make some kind of change because this is not getting it done. It doesn't seem like they have much answers on offense. And like I said, I know they're playing a true freshman, but it's, it's just been so inconsistent with the running game. I think you, you got to shake something up there, and uh, I think it starts with a coordinator change. Yeah, because – I mean, golly, next year. I, I mean, I know he's coming back, but Edwards is gone, right? Yeah, Smith, he's a senior. Is, mm -hmm. is Shy going? Is is there a chance he comes back? I don't know if he's. I think he'll be back for another year. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if he's been kind of flirting with it, but I mean, some of your biggest weapons aren't going to be there next year, so I don't know. Sometimes it's it's now's a good time maybe to clean house. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. They've got to. They've got to do something. You know, they've been pumping up this coordinator for two years now, and he's done. It's been garbage. 
So, I mean, the fact that you only got 21 rushing yards is is a joke. I mean, just an absolute joke. 27 attempts, 21 rushing yards. I mean, let that sink in. <laughs> Big SEC offensive line. You can't get 100 yards rushing. Rough. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens where Georgia took care of business here. And this was a damn ugly one from the moment that uh, Kelly Bryant unable to go. I thought he was going to be playing in this one, but once Georgia got about seven points on the board, they could have just shut this thing down because old Taylor Powell, Shane, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he just didn't have it in this one, a replacement for Kelly Bryant from Missouri. This uh, offense was totally ineffective. And, and you know, it's probably a, I may be saying that wrong. It probably has more to do with Georgia's outstanding defense. I mean, they continue to impress. This may be – the best defense at this moment in the SEC. I know they're leading in a lot of categories, but uh, thoughts on this one, Shane. Lawrence Cager continues to step up big for the Bulldogs. They've got to be happy they they got him. I, mean, I do not know where this passing game would be without Cager. Of course, he got hurt in this game, did not return. We're going to get a little bit into that here in a moment, but that, I mean, if he's out, they say he's not going to be out, but if he's out, I mean, that's significant for this Auburn game. George Pickens, I mean, he started to flash in this game. That's kind of why you get a guy like this where, you know, we talk up all these coaches, Shane, but it's these players that win the game. It's players like George Pickens. You get the ball in his hands, he makes something <laughs> happen. He was making it happen here against Missouri. They had no answer for George Pickens at times. Uh, you know, Jake Fromm had a, a solid day, 13-29, 173 and two touchdowns, but – once they put up a couple scores, this thing was over. I mean, Missouri only threatened about one time in this game, and they didn't even get in the damn end zone. So uh, this is just a, this was just a, a thrashing here by the Bulldogs. <sighs> what an ugly game, though, man. Unless you love defense and field goals, this was not a fun game to watch. I mean, there was, I mean, there was some flashes, like you said, uh, seeing uh, Pickens make some amazing catches, but. Um, other than that, maybe a couple of good swift runs. It was still, oh, it was oh a, it was one a, guy I forgot to mention, Shane. I wanted to give this guy a shout out, Richard LeCount, the safety. I think he's playing the best football of his career. I think he's going to be all SEC this season. He's deserved that. He's, he's not always been, you know, the best player in Georgia secondary, but I think he is now. And, uh, just wanted to give him a shout out there. Yeah. And, uh, I, let me talk some. Let's since we're talking about individual players here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about injuries, man? I mean, I know Cager got banged up, but so did the entire offensive line. Is any of those guys threatened uh, moving forward because they got a big game coming up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of in flux at this moment. I know they were shaking guys in and out of the lineup. That's the thing with Georgia, though. That's so you know why I was so high on them. I know you were too when you got eight or nine guys you can rely on, you lose two of them. They they have worked these guys. Sam Pittman's a master of that offensive line. He's just shuffling them in and out, moving them into different positions, and they're still – I mean, there's almost no loss there. So, yeah, it's, it's getting dicey down there with the injuries on the offensive line, but I think as long as they got a five healthy ready to go, of course, <laughs> the way you said it there, they are playing Auburn, who's got a monstrous defensive line. The game may come down to the trenches there, and if if Georgia's not at full strength, you know, they could lose to Auburn. Yeah, and I'm telling you, Georgia uh, sneakily, 
if that's even a word. I'm going to make it up if it's not. But I'm telling you, these guys, their defense is legit. I mean, Georgia hasn't given up more than 17 points in any game this season. You know, they've had several shutouts this season. They're just – nobody's talking about them like they were with Florida or like they were with Alabama at times or even Auburn, you know, the team that they're about to go against. And they're they're going out there, they're getting the job done, and they're getting the victories. And they're, they're sitting there 8-1. Uh, they're right there on the outside looking in on the playoffs. But they got – I mean, they kind of create – they got their – their destiny is in their hand and their control. And it's going to start next week when they go to Auburn. And and this may be even an uglier game, man. It may be a 9-6 game. You know what I'm saying? It may be all defense and field goals. But uh, I, I am a little bit more excited that uh, that some sort of weapons have emerged on Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, especially with Pickens. If Cagers comes back, I think, you know, we build off that, you know. It, it, it can't be a one-dimensional team. They've got to have some threats on the outside. And 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 he's shown, man, dude, he is freaking talented when he gets the ball in his hands. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart Shane, who talked about uh, the injury and the status of Cager moving forward on the freshman George Pickens. And then he was, you know, this game was kind of so dull. They, they're already asking him Auburn questions, so – Kirby gave us a little slight window into what he sees in the Tigers. Uh, I think Cage will be fine. Um, he, he bothered his uh, his uh, shoulder again, but we think he's going to be fine. Probably could have came back if he had to. And then um, the other guys, I think, are fine. We got uh, Trey with an ankle. Um, Cage was fine. He could have came back in. And I don't know who else. Isaiah's fine. He's fine. And George did a good job. If he got on the ball, he'd add two touchdowns. Is this a case with uh, with Pickens of you know improvement throughout the year led to something like tonight, or was it more of just opportunity and matchups? Uh, he he he's getting better. I mean, I think everybody on our team's getting better. I thought that the way they played us, it, it, it opened up a lot of one-on-one opportunities. But you can't. I mean, we got a lot of long foul balls tonight too, and you got to hit some of those. You got to hit them at a higher rate. Uh, to make him count, and uh, he's one of our guys that we think can win outside. Um, <coughs> what do you want to see George improve going forward? Uh, consistency, um, playing with his mind in the right place, and um, just doing the little things right. Attention to detail is what gets George, just like you saw tonight. I mean, as talented as he is, if he doesn't have attention to detail, he can hurt the team. Or if he does have attention to detail, he can really help the team. And, uh, he's got to do those things right. But uh, he's, he's talented and he loves the game. That's what I love about him. He loves the game of football. Uh, they got a great program. Gus does a tremendous job. Got a lot of respect for the way they play. A physical football team. Great defense. Uh, really good young quarterback. Really hard offense to prepare for. Um, you know, just I've seen – Gus and I have seen a lot of each other over the years and uh, got a lot of respect for their program, and I know they'll be ready to play coming off an off week. All right, Shane, so let me ask you this. We got a, you know, this is going to be the game of the week next week, Auburn hosting Georgia. I'm not asking you to make a pick here, Shane, but, I mean, how realistic do you think it is that, uh, you know, Auburn beats the Bulldogs? Uh, Very. Uh, because if you think about this is what concerns me with Georgia 
if you think about the teams that have beaten the University of Auburn, okay, it's Florida and it's uh, LSU. Mm-hmm. And they both didn't do it on the ground. They did it through the air. And that's something that Georgia hasn't had to do and hasn't, you know, shown that they really can do, that they're capable of, you know. Right. When it did become a little bit of a shootout with South Carolina, you saw how that thing turned out, you know. They should I just this is what concerns me when we started the season and we just went to this ground and pound and this, you know, coach talks about this not being a flashy offense and you wear them down. Yeah, but you're going to have to have some weapons. You're going to have to th- you're going to have to get from from is a great quarterback. You know, give him opportunities. Let him get the ball out. Let him and they didn't do that. They didn't stretch. They just kept doing with what was working. The problem though, when you get to a team like Auburn that's got a big nasty defensive front and if they are able to slow that running game down and force Fromm to throw what happens we don't know because it's never been they've never been put in that situation so i am concerned mm-hmm. all right shane sticking in the sec east let's jump on down to gainesville where whew, the gators opened a can of whoop ass there on <laughs> vanderbilt 56 to 0 and i mean i gotta be honest with you shane i did not think the gators even played up to their full potential because the first quarter scoreless uh, they were making some mistakes trash through an interception and then from there on out shade i mean whew, <laughs> they just destroyed them and dan mullen he had no intention of letting his foot off the gas he was throwing deep with a minute left in the game scoring touchdowns got uh, they, they basically emptied the bench though so uh, you know, it was not a total dick move or anything. I think he just wanted to get a lot of his younger guys some experience, but uh, I, I can't imagine no. I can't imagine Derek Mason was too thrilled with that. Dude, that was a total flex, man. That was <laughs> – I mean, come on, dude. He aired it out. It was like a 40-yard bomb. Uh, even though it's with the backups, you're still throwing the ball and the game's at, in control, you know. Mason probably wouldn't even – playing any type of prevent defense because he just figured <laughs> Florida had run the clock out, you know, next thing you know, they, they scored another touchdown. So no, this was, uh, Oh man, this reminds me of, Oh man, I, I, I don't want to get down history lane, but it's just, you, you gotta be careful. Um, and I'm not saying that Vanderbilt's going to rise up and be a powerhouse one team one day, but you know, these teams don't forget this, you know, and there's going to be a time when you're going to wish that you didn't do this to a certain team. Now I'm not saying again, that Vanderbilt will ever beat Florida, but they obviously have in the past, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. uh, man, this was, a this was a hell of a game. Um, and honestly, the the closest one I got to predict and right, you know, I, I even <laughs> called, I even texted you and I said, here we are, with three minutes to go, they're going to kick this field goal so they don't shut them out. And I'd, I'd about been perfect with this score, but then uh, he goes wide left and uh, they end up scoring another touchdown at the end. So, oh, poor Vandy. Uh, let me tell you, let me ask you something about Vanderbilt. Um, they're real and brother. I mean, they're absolutely really – I think they only crossed the 50-yard line twice in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do you, I know everybody's looking at Arkansas. Coach Morris is fired. But, you know, do you not think that Vanderbilt – I mean, you've got all them arrows. You do those power rankings and I always see Arkansas way down there and then all these arrows and stuff like that. But don't you think Vanderbilt's getting a little closer to that? 
Oh yeah, they're in the danger zone, Shane, no doubt. And I mean, they got the key game for Vanderbilt, I hate to say it, could be that ETSU game. They dropped that one. Yeah, obviously, I think you got to let Mason go. Let's see how they finish out here. They got Kentucky and Tennessee. Not saying, you know, those are necessarily going to be wins for Vanderbilt or anything, but you got to have at least a showing in those games. Can't be getting beaten 50 to 0 like you did here against I know Florida's uh-uh. a, Florida's a top 10 team. So, yeah. it's, it's a Keyshawn, little, little bit different ran animal, hard. you know. I mean, I thought Keyshawn ran hard, but they just couldn't do anything else, you know. Mm-hmm. Kyle Trask, 363 yards. I think I heard someone say this is the most since Tim Tebow's finale. 11 Gator receivers caught passes, Shane. <laughs> Let's kick it over uh, quickly here to Dan Mullen here on his team responding after that Georgia loss. Yeah, I mean, Dan, could you could you kind of sense this week that this was going to be not your typical, you know, bad bounce back week? Well, no, I, I thought, yeah, I thought we came out. Obviously, like I said, um, you know, last year after that, you know, losing that game, I thought we the uh, – uh, to Georgia, we came out. I thought we had a pretty good week of practice, and then we just came out late in egg. But uh, you know, to this day, I always say this. You know, I, I mean, I know I say that, and but you know, we all played a Missouri team that played an unbelievable game with a lot of talent, NFL quarterback, and all that. A bunch of NFL players on defense, and and um, but we didn't play very well, and uh, and they played very well, and then we got crushed. Uh, I thought this week in challenging our guys, the intensity starting Monday to come out. Uh, you know, play with a little chip on our shoulder, play a little, you know, I mean, that competitive nature. I want to go out there and play. I want to go out there and win. And I thought we had that. And I thought, you know, that's all we talked about. We talked about coming in and, and it can't just be within our preparation. It has to be, it also has to lead to our, translate to our performance on the field to play with a little edge and a little chip on our shoulder. And I thought we did that. All right, Shane, if I'm a Gator fan, this is exactly what you want to see. No let up. They got another game coming up against Missouri. And uh, they they got to see more of the same because if they keep whipping ass like this, they're going to go to the New, New Year's Six, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not the college football playoff shame, but it's the next best thing, and uh, that's where the Gators are headed if they keep it up. Yeah, they're there, man. I mean, they it's it, they're cruise control right now, and the, and I can't see any team uh, on their schedule that they're not going to have uh, a double digit favorite lead. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, final game on the docket here. We can do this one quickly. Ole Miss beats New Mexico State 41-3. John Rice Plumley, Shane, he was a machine in this one. 127 yards passing, 177 rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, the Rebels rushed for 447, <laughs> five <laughs> touchdowns. This is uh, what you imagine of a Rich Rod offense. And how about this stat, Shane? No freshman in Ole Miss history has rushed for more yards than John Rice Plumley or scored as many rushing touchdowns. And he didn't even start the year playing. And he's a damn mm-hmm. quarterback. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this it's just pretty bizarre. But uh, the Rebels really took care of business. This is what you want to see. Uh, this We could have been in a similar situation as Chad Morris here if Matt Luke would have lost this game somehow. But – course the exact opposite and they just destroyed them this is what you have to see when a lower tier team comes into an sec stadium you got to run them off the field and that's Mm -hmm. that's what Ole Miss did here and um, at least that's a positive maybe get some momentum going because they still got two big games here I think old Plumtree is uh the best athlete in sec Uh, I say that because if you remove him from 
this scenario, the Ole Miss scenario, the Ole Miss doesn't have a shot to win any game the rest of the season. I mean, that's just – it's not – well, I don't want to say any game. They probably could have won this one because it's a garbage team. But it's just amazing what he's been able to do for that offense. I mean, he is a difference maker, and that's what a true MVP is. Uh, you know, somebody that if you remove from the, the situation, what kind of team do you have? And I just think he's that big of a difference for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, that's all I got around the league. You want to do quickly here, guess the opening lines for week 12? Oh, yeah, I didn't even send you those. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Okay, all right, let's just do it on the fly. All right, Shane, let's start with South Carolina at Texas A&M. What do you got for that one? Mm, I'm going to favor Texas A&M by uh, 15. Ooh, that's exactly what I said, Shane. So we tie here. A- Aggies favored by 10. Oh, okay. LSU <laughs> at Ole Miss. Who do you like there? Just talked up Plumtree, but it's not enough. I got LSU favored <laughs> by, on this one, we'll say 17 and a half. Oh, I got this one, Shane. I said 20, and the Tigers are favored by 21 on the road. Hmm. I th- I think uh, I know it's early, but I'm kind of leaning towards Ole Miss there. Tigers coming off a big game and playing yeah. on the road, you know? I think a little more conservative play calling, too. Mm-hmm. Kentucky at Vanderbilt. Who do you like in this one? Mm. I like Kentucky, man. And um, I got Kentucky, let's see, I'd say they'd say, let's say 11. Ooh, you got this one, Shane. I thought only three. I didn't think they'd give Kentucky a lot of respect. It opened at eight and a half, so just slightly over a touchdown there. Okay. <laughs> Florida at Missouri. Shane, who you got here? Florida at Missouri. Oh, Florida. And I've got them, let's say, Florida. Again, I, I think this is a, let's say, I don't know, it's at Missouri. Let's say 12 and a half. Ooh, this is a, that's right kind of where I was at, Shane. I said Florida 13 and a half. This was probably the most stunning line. Florida only favored by five. Oh, wow. That's, okay. We might, we might have to uh, make a lock. Damn, here, here I just said they're, they're going to be dumb. I think, are they assuming Kelly's going to be there? I, mean, I, I guess think that has to be it, you know? Yeah. Alabama at Mississippi State. Uh, Alabama, and I'm going to say by 19. Ooh, I got this one dead on, Shane. I said 21, and that's what it is. Three touchdowns. Final game on the docket here, Shane. This was pretty surprising. Georgia at Auburn. Who do you like in this one? Georgia at Auburn. Uh, I'm going to go Georgia, but I'm going to go four and a half. Ooh, you got this one, Shane. I said eight. I thought they'd be at least a touchdown favorite. Georgia only favored by a field goal at Auburn. Mm. So that's going to be a damn barn burner, you know? What? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the total opposite of Alabama LSU. I'm telling you, it's it's like a defensive score is going to win this game, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shane. So we went a little long on this one. That's all I got. You got anything before we hop off here? Any last yeah, real- words to Chad Morris or anything? Chad Morris, it's been fun. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy your clippings, you know, from – Hunting in tree stands with no bullets and, you know, unacceptable. I mean, there, there's there been some, 
remember he used to wrestle around with his players on the field and man mm-hmm. it was good times we were we were going somewhere and then linemen started getting hurt but you know anyway uh i'm not going to miss the quarterback controversy uh in arkansas i'll tell you that right now mm-hmm. uh but there was some good things and uh, i enjoyed his uh his southern draw and uh i think he'll be on what saving staff before you know it another assistant fetching coffee him and willie man they'll be down there well, <laughs> cutting, up, cutting up film down there i love it i love it so yes that's the um another thing real quick uh, i apologize again to the gamecock fans uh, appreciate all the the Kentucky fans that uh, that thought they had an opportunity to beat the Big Orange Nation, but they <laughs> they just weren't able to do it. Um, Big Orange Nation, we don't even go that, but we we're starting to steal their letters. So, uh, one other thing too, uh, Appy State, man, I'm gonna I, for now on I, I promise to call you App State. Uh, you guys, you guys earned that just like that nine hundred thousand dollar check you received. And uh, do you know who they're playing next week? Just fun fact. No, no idea. Georgia State. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I Perfect. Who's buying the beer after that game, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, I think that's a perfect spot to jump off there. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. Man, how perfect is that? <laughs>